Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we kick off a month-long Halloween series called Monsters on the Air. Our first creature of the season is the werewolf, as depicted in a production of my choosing, Death Prowls by Night from... The Shadow. The Shadow. Premiered on the Mutual Broadcasting Network September 26th, 1937. Starring Orson Welles as The Shadow and Agnes Moorhead as Margot Lane. When Welles left the role in 1938, he was replaced by veteran radio actor Bill Johnstone. In contrast to Welles' brooding intensity, Johnstone brought maturity and a sense of authority to the voice of The Shadow, while at the same time revealing a lighter side to Lamont Cranston, particularly in his interactions with Margot. Despite the comical asides, John Stone's era of the program retained much of the dark pulpiness of Wells' tenure, as evidenced in today's episode. Martin Grahams Jr., in his book The Shadow, The History and Mystery of the Program, observes that Death Prowls by Night is the first of several depictions and or mentions of Lamont and Margot enjoying a ski holiday. The couple's next ski adventure is in The Witch of the Crescent Moon from 1947, in this story, Lamont tells a hotel clerk he's teaching Margot to ski when I don't lose her in the snowdrifts. Grams, being the good and studious nerd he is, points out that six years earlier in Death Prowls by Night, there's no mention of Margot's inability to ski. Continuity error? Or did Lamont cloud Margot's mind so she forgot how to ski? Only the shadow knows. And now let's listen to Death Prowls by Night. From The Shadow, starring Bill Johnstone and Marjorie Anderson. First broadcast, March 23rd, 1941. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from your speakers. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Thank you. 
Suddenly, the mournful howling of frightened dogs shatters the stillness of the night. One of the men, alarmed, rises quickly from his bunk and calls out to his partner. What is it? The dog. Something is frightening the dog. What can it be? I don't know. I'm going out to see. Do you wish to take my gun? No, no. I won't need it. Oh, I shall put on my boot. What is wrong with your dog? I will come out and join you in a moment. Why are you hurrying? Can you see anything, Philip? No, that does not seem to be... Philip! It's a wolf! A giant wolf! The creature is killing him! Save yourself, Pierre! Save yourself! I must get the gun! The animal is turning on me! I must get the gun! If I can make the cabin, I will... stayed in the village tonight. You mean on account of the snow? No, it's just that I don't like riding through these woods like this. Why, we've done it hundreds of times, Anna. I know, but it's different now. Oh, now, you've been listening to that wolf story, haven't you? Yes, I have. Well, now, that's a lot of nonsense. No, it isn't, John. Too many people have seen him. And what about the bodies they found? Bodies just torn to pieces by a savage beast. Now, Anna, we'll be home any minute now, and you'll be... Listen... What's that? Why, just dogs howling, that's all. Those dogs are frightened. I can tell by the sound. Now, Anna, stop imagining things. Get up there, boy. That howling is coming from somewhere behind us. All I can see is dark woods. John! Anna, what is it? The wolf. He's running behind us, following the sleigh. It's the wolf. Great heavens. Get up, boy. Get up. Master, he's gaining on us. Well, we're going as fast as we can. He's right Its ability to appear and disappear at will, its method of killing. 
There is a werewolf here. I'm sure of it. Well, I, I can't argue with you, Joe. Uh, here's your cabin, Margo. Yes. All right, I'll meet you at the lodge, Lamont, as soon as I'm dressed. All right, I'll see you later. All right. And I'll keep an eye out for the wolf, Joe. <laughs> Good old Joe, he's certainly... Good evening, Miss Lane. Oh, you surprised me, Marie. Sorry, Mentel. Would you draw a tub for me, please? Uh, oui, Mentel, I have already done so. Oh, good. I trust that you enjoyed your skiing today. Oh, it was wonderful. Will you be wearing this blue dress, Mentel? Yes, that'll be all right. Marie, do you hear those dogs howling? Oui, Mentel. <laughs> Eerie sound, isn't it? Uh, they are now like that at night up here, Mentel. I would not worry about it if I were you. Oh, they don't bother me. I was just... Oh, there's someone at the door. Will you see who it is, Marie, please? Good evening. Oh, good evening, Doctor. Who is it, Marie? It is Dr. Mantel. He often comes here to the lodge. Oh, does he want to see me? Yes, if I may. Oh, then will you come in? Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, you're Miss Lane, I believe? That's right, Doctor. I saw you out skiing today. I wondered if you'd sustained any cuts or bruises that might need attention. <laughs> no, I seem to have come through without a scratch, thank you. Oh, that's fine. Fine. Up here for a rest, are you? Why, yes, sort of. Been tired, have you? Well, more in need of a change, I'd say. I see. Then you should not be indulging in such violent exercises as skiing. You should be resting, relaxing. I suppose you're right. Uh, this is a personal question I know, Miss Lane. But have you had any medical attention lately? Have I had any? Oh, no. Not in the past six months. I see. Why do you ask, Doctor? Young lady, you are in a very highly nervous state. I make this statement freely because I specialize in such work. I suppose I should not have told you this. No. No, I'm glad you did. Your eyes have a strange look. They are weary. Very weary. Is that not so? Yes. Yes. Sit down, Miss Lane, please. Sit down? Yes. Uh, no, this chair, please. Attention. State 
Why are you so upset? Why am I upset? With half the countryside searching for you, not knowing if you're alive or dead? You had searching parties out for me? But of course. That was silly of you. Silly of me? Yes. Margo, don't you understand? I, I was alarmed about you, why you disappeared and where. Tell me, uh, what are you doing in this place? I've come here for a rest, that's all. A rest? Yes. Yes, is there anything wrong in that? Well, no, well, then but... stop behaving like a schoolboy. Margo! Leave me alone, will you? Margo, just tell me this. Why did you leave the lodges you did without telling me where you were going? I didn't think it necessary to tell you. Well, uh, How did you meet Dr. Van Dane? He came to my cabin at the lodge. You'd never seen him before? No. Well, then how did you know it was safe to come here to this place? Because I trusted him. He's a very fine old gentleman. Where is he now? I don't know. Margot, you were seen several hours ago, running through the nearby fields. Why were you out like that in the dead of night? Answer me, Margot. Lamont, will you please leave me alone? I refuse to answer any more of your stupid questions. Very well. Then I shall seek my information elsewhere. I'm going to investigate the other people who live within these walls. I shall visit them as the shadow. <laughs> about him. Where is he now, do you know? No. He has gone out. At this time of night? Where did he go? I do not know. Don't you think it odd that he should choose this hour to be out in this mountain wilderness? I do not question the doctor said it. You came here last night with Miss Lane, did you not? Oui, monsieur. Why? Why was she brought here? How did he persuade her to come? He did not persuade her. She can have her own free will. You've known Dr. Van Dane before, haven't you? Answer my question. Oui, monsieur. For how long? How long have you known him? What difference does that make? It makes a great deal of difference. I suspect very strongly, Marie, that you aided him in bringing Miss Lane here. She came here willingly, I tell you. She needed a rest. Are you trying to make me believe that she chose to come to a sanitarium where she is the only patient? No. I've just determined that fact by searching the building. I know nothing about that. But you do know something about Dr. Van Dane. More than you're willing to tell me. No. Well... I shall continue to question you until you do. No. No, leave me alone. Please. Where did he come from? What is his background, his place of birth? He was born in Europe. That is all I know. In Central Europe? We, oui, I believe so. That's most revealing. Does Dr. Van Dane often indulge in nocturnal prowling? I do not know. You do know, but you're afraid to tell me. Oh, please. Please, monsieur. Do not ask me any more questions. How does Dr. Van Dane feel about dogs? Does he have any around the house? No, he hates dogs. Then how do you account for the fact that Miss Lane was seen several hours ago running through the fields with what appeared to be a giant beast? I do not know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. You also realize the significance of the appearance of Miss Lane with that huge dog no. animal, don't you? No, you no. You suspect I... just as I suspect. What this means? But the thought is too horrible for you to voice, isn't it? Stop torturing me. You're being very foolish, Marie. By your very silence. 
silence you're bringing about your doom. <laughs> what do you mean, monsieur? Don't you see what is happening? Your place is being taken. Already you've been supplanted by Miss Lane. No, monsieur. When Dr. Van Dane has no further use for you, you know what that can mean, don't you? Yes. <laughs> then you must do something about it. You must act quickly. What? What is that to do? I am getting that young woman out of here at once. Meantime, you can call the police. If you tell them everything, everything you know about Dr. Oh. Mendane, there is still a chance for your salvation. What? That is my only chance? Your only chance. But you must do this. At once. information you wanted? I did talk to Marie. Are you satisfied now that this is a perfectly safe place for me to be? Quite the contrary, Margot. I'm taking you out of here at once. Lamont, what are you saying? I've found out something about Dr. Van Dane. If it's true as I think it is, your life is in danger every moment that you're here. Lamont, you can be so melodramatic. Margot, I'm giving you cold, hard facts. Do you remember the conversation that we had with Joe, our guide, about the people who'd been killed by a giant wolf? Yes. Do you remember his believing that the animal was really a human being? Oh, you mean that werewolf story? Yes. Lamont, are you trying to tell me that there may be something to that story? Yes, perhaps. Oh, that's fantastic. You're just making up a story in order to get me out. I'm not making up a story, Margot. Oh, no. What's the matter, Margot? You're trembling. Oh, don't. Why don't they stop the howling? Margot, why should their howling bother you? I don't know. I just hate the sound of dogs. Why don't they stop? Margot, I, I don't know what's happened to you, but this thing is part of it. What are you talking about? This, this fear of dogs. Oh, no. You've never felt that way before. Oh, then your irritation at no, my being no. here and your nervous behavior, the way you're facing the room right now. You've got to get out. You've got to get out. I'm taking you out, Margot. Oh, no. No, I'm so alone. Margot, listen to me. We're leaving here together. Oh, no, we're not. You have no right to tell me what to do. I'm sorry, Margot. You're coming with me. Even if I had to carry you out you here. You barely a hand on me. I'll... Oh, I'm sorry, Lamont. I lost my head, I guess. I didn't know what I was doing. Of course I'll come with you. Come right now. Oh, that's better. Thank you, Margot. Will you get my coat, please, in that closet? Well, surely. I don't see them in here, Margot. Are you sure they're in here? <laughs> Margot, let me out of here. Next time, you'll know enough to let me have my way. Margot! Goodbye, Lamont! Margot! Oh, I must find the doctor. I must let him know that I'm free. Looking for me, Miss Lane? Oh, I'm so glad that you're here, Dr. Bentley. I was worried about you. Really? Yes, I heard the howling of dogs. I was afraid that you might have been in trouble. You need never fear for me. I am too clever for them. Much too clever. Doctor, you seem upset. What's wrong? I just had the most unfortunate experience. Someone I trusted proved the health disloyal. Marie? Yes. She was about to telephone the police. About to betray me. I see. She will never make the call? Never. But come. We have things to do, young lady. The night is short. Time is precious. Come. You have a mission to perform.
you enjoy the sense of freedom that you found earlier this evening, running through the open fields? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I am pleased. You are progressing rapidly. I shall always follow your instructions. Excellent. You are most obedient. Come now. We are setting forth on our first great adventure. The supreme adventure. Before the night is over, you shall have learned to kill. I am ready. Very well. Come with me. <laughs> Who is that? One moment, Dr. Van Den. The shadow. Who spoke? I see no one. The young lady knows who I am, Doctor. Yes. Yes, it is the shadow. Young woman, do you know this unseen voice? Yes. Why is he here? How did he find us? I can answer that for you, Dr. Van Dane. I am here to save this young woman from your evil power. I do not know what you're talking about. I don't wish to be saved. Leave me alone. I am aware of what you've done to this girl, Doctor. You've influenced her mind, robbed her of her power to think for herself. By some form of hypnosis, you've gained control of her every thought. That's not true. Did you hear that, Shadow? She herself denies it. She denies it because you've willed her to do so. But I'm going to break this hold you have on her. No. No. I, too, possess the secret of hypnosis. And I believe that my power is greater than yours, Doctor. Just as the power of good is always greater than the power of evil. Leave me alone. Make him leave me alone. I am warning you, Shadow. Do not meddle in my affairs. You can't frighten me. Not when I know as much about you as I do. What? What do you know about me? That you are the one who is responsible for the savage, brutal killings in this neighborhood. That you have committed these crimes in the guise of a wolf. You mean I've transformed myself into an animal? Exactly. <laughs> that is preposterous. You are going back to medieval superstition, to the legend of the werewolf. It's possible you might possess that power, Doctor. How dare you say such a thing? Margo, listen to me. No, no. I am using all the power that I possess to reach into your mind. Oh, Feel please. it. Feel that power. No. Let my thoughts link with yours. Oh, Let them no. join together and drive out all evil. Remain no. calm, young lady. Do not listen to his lies. I'm trying, Doctor. I'm trying. Concentrate on one thing and one thing only, Margo. The thought that I'm sending to you. Grasp it. Hold it in your mind. Drive it from your mind, young lady. Oh, please, please, both of you. I can't think. It will come through, Margo. The thought will come through. Those dogs. Where are those dogs? They are looking for you, Doctor. Those dogs? They belong to the police. Huh? That frightens you, doesn't it? You are not able to concentrate oh, now. please, please, don't. Your way is clear now, Margo. You can receive my thoughts alone. You're coming back to me. You're coming back to me.
That was Death Prowls by Night from The Shadow here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Uh, I want to start with a, a, a quick thing here before we delve into picking Joshua's brain about his selection in the opening, the revelation that, oh, there are continuity errors in the shadow about <laughs> skiing and if Margot knows how to ski or not. Uh, it made me laugh because continuity errors, say, with Star Trek. I can't There's even probably Im- some literary sociological arc you can say of it. If something lasts a certain amount of time, it will have continuity errors. Well, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a Star Trek writer and pouring over every single detail that you know you're going to get busted on something. But I think it's hilarious because I don't think there's any fan of the shadow that has any sense of canon or continuity in the, in the <laughs> arc and could care less, which is the way all of this fiction should be. There was no expectation of continuity. No! You would have had to remember it right. from seven That's years right, ago. Right, right. Um, Technically, Margot knew how to ski six years ago, and now she doesn't. Aw. And anyway. in all fairness to Martin Gramps, he mentioned it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. He was not oh, having know. a case of nerd outrage. <laughs> um, so before we delve even further into this, Joshua, uh, we have established in this podcast that we are all big fans of The Shadow. Uh, we were dragged into it early on by Joshua, who grew up with it, the biggest fan of all of us of the show. And then Tim and I were to Shadow Aficionado magazine. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> and then I had listened to some and I liked it. And then Tim was introduced to it yeah. here. And now we're all, we all love it a lot. So why this one? Well, obviously werewolves. Yes. <laughs> well, two things uh, with The Shadow is as much as I love The Shadow, The Shadow is somewhat repetitious in structure so when i bring a what sh- <laughs> when i want to bring a shadow to the podcast i'm always looking for something that breaks the formula in some way or is extra outrageous or has some other narrative or character-based significance to it and in this case i was shocked and delighted that it was a shadow featuring a werewolf in which they didn't do the Scooby-Doo move right. and reveal it was really old man Johnson. It's a wolf disguised as a guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was an actual werewolf. And so that was what jumped out at me. It's a rarity in the shadow to have anything supernatural be proven true. I mean, there's a little wiggle room here, but I think... Very little. It struck me how similar it was to Hound of the Baskervilles, that you're waiting for Sherlock to solve away all of the supernatural part of that story, only to find out, oh, no, there is a hound. (laughs) It is a horrible creature. The mystery is this guy's controlling it and Mm -hmm. training it. But you wait when you watch Hound of the Baskervilles for him to explain it away because it's Sherlock Holmes. And I think there was the same thing for me here that I was waiting. And it was alluded to at one point that the doctor turned himself into a werewolf. It wasn't that what Lamont said to him, like, you're a guy that's becoming a wolf or something like that. Was that not Yeah, said? he outright accuses him of being right. a werewolf. But and the but, doctor turns the tables 
on the usual scenario, and he's telling the shadow, don't be ridiculous. Right? <laughs> Superstitious nonsense. Just that sliver of similarity to Hound of the Baskerville, but the idea that, oh, it's an actual dog. Oh, nice. <laughs> that makes it's me very happy. Always a joy to me in any sort of monster sort of scenario like this where they say, like, it's a vampire, it's a werewolf. Don't be ridiculous. You must be crazy. We absolutely reject the possibility of this, despite the overwhelming amount of evidence we're looking at. Right. Um, <laughs> to run the range from, that seems unlikely, but we'll we'll run with that theory to like, sure, sounds like a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> we have done Halloween specials or themed things in the past uh, 56 years of this podcast. <laughs> and I remember vividly looking for a really good werewolf episode and always coming up like W is for werewolf. That was terrible. And the dragnet werewolf turns out wasn't about a werewolf at all. And all of these werewolves. I am so mad that it took us this long to find a really good werewolf story. Where has this been for the last seven years? There are very few legitimate werewolf old time radio productions. Almost all of them turn out to be some kind of hoax. Unlike some of the sibling monsters, werewolves don't have the one definitive story to adapt. Right. Like the one classic example of this monster. I'm just shocked this one got by us for this long. Now, when you found this, had you heard it before? No. So I, this was oh, new wow. to you, too. Yeah, I think because it doesn't have werewolf or anything in the title. I right. had to dig really deep How did you to find, find it? it? I found some guy's blog who was going over... Some guy. <laughs> werewolf stories in old time radio and which that ones someguysblog.com I love that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you listen to this podcast and I could have this great moment to <laughs> plug your blog but he actually went through and listed a bunch of old time radio shows that have werewolves which ones are a creature that's like a werewolf like right. uh, the house in Cypress Canyon and how many of them are hoaxes Yep. There are a number, at least two or three episodes of Escape that involve werewolf mythology, but it's not quite a full werewolf. And then this was listed with a number of Shadow episodes. I want to make a rule that we no longer allowed to say, plug your blog. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded horrifying. We can promote your content. But what Thank if your you. blog is leaking? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should see a doctor. Uh, yeah, so uh, overall, I think that what you're getting at when you were saying, I want to find something that has these elements to it, to, a, a twist on the shadow that's away from the normal formulaic, it's the idea that Margot turns on him. Is that the thing that you were more attracted to? No, well, first of all, it was just the werewolf and the fact that right. it's well, yeah. very clearly a werewolf. Right. The shadow says it's a werewolf, and I think you're supposed to agree with the shadow. Right. right. Uh, he is the authorial voice, the Duh. disembodied authorial voice. And then I got into it, and you just beat me to part two. Oh. It's like, oh, this is the episode in which, under the control of another man, <laughs> Margot finally gets to tell the other man she's usually under the control know, that of is what the, she really thinks of him. The punchline <laughs> at the very end is like, ah, oh, he's got Margot to shake off this guy's not a control, so he could reestablish his own. Yeah, Margot Margo seems to be attracted to a type. <laughs> I mean, I think you could have nerdy fun rewriting this as a story in which it's finally revealed that the shadow has Margot under her control and that right. the doctor is in earnest when he says, 
<laughs> I don't think tired. you're well. You look tired. <laughs> right, right, Are right. you not feeling well? And he has actually freed her from the <laughs> evil shadow's control. Or even the sketch of two hypnotists and one person in the middle constantly yes. pulling <laughs> this person back and forth between their control. Yeah, so she has zero agency in here, yet you still get the cathartic experience of having her just tell Lamont where to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I mean, laugh in his face. Someone yep. leap to the uh, the chewy meat of this episode that having Margot not like turn like I'm going to poison him in his sleep, but, but that's not how you poison people, but um, but just to turn on him like, yeah, I left. I didn't tell you. I don't, I don't need to tell you when I go. Um, right. To just assert agency and that it is so plausible that someone would just say like, I left. I didn't tell anybody. I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It starts so really mundane. And she's absolutely correct. In that moment, you wouldn't go, you're under some evil spell. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as that might be what's in his head, it's like something's gone really wrong here. But he can't retort. I mean, he can't respond like that. And the structure of the story is so nicely done because you get the scene where it's clearly the evil mustache twirling <laughs> just, hypnotist. I, just a wandering doctor going yeah. door to door trying to make appointments with people. Like, this service here is really upsetting. <laughs> uh, but it's very clear he's an evil guy. He now has Margot under his control. And then we cut to these desperate scenes of Lamont yeah. organizing searches and they can't find her anywhere. And then it's just such a mild mannered rebuke of him that is totally reasonable. And yes. So it's, it's like, oh, that's really cool. And I was hoping it was it literally was that Margot had you know, shrugged <laughs> off the hypnotism and was now like, I actually really like this spa. <laughs> you know? It's a mental institution, but it's really helping. Yeah. There's no one else who's staying here at the moment. So I speaks all vol- the saunas to myself. Speaks volumes about their established relationship that she's uh, just goes somewhere without telling him and he's automatically assumes something's wrong. Like that she's checking in that much or that he she's needs to be that much under his control or guidance. In all fairness, there are hundreds and hundreds of episodes that support his theory that she has probably been kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a type two, I think. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I wanted to back up to just the very, very top um, that this, unlike I think many Shadow episodes, I don't know, but has that classic horror structure of we're going to see this monster kill some strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so visceral. Yeah. It's so nasty. I agree. I, my notes say that it's just brutal. Mm-hmm. And the sound design's really good. Sometimes with these werewolves, you get this kind of silly. Rawr! You know, it's <laughs> really good, Joshua. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I want you guys to come to my sanatorium. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the top is a great introduction to this piece. The people that we don't know. Those performances that just... Yep. Ugh. This is hard to do sometimes with these kind of creature sounds, but the sound effects transmit the visual information of the size and strength mm-hmm. of this werewolf. Right. It is clearly not a dog. Right. <laughs> you know, it's clearly not even a wolf. It's and something get, massive it's a horse. and strong. Yes. And in the performance... It's a giraffe. Of their action... <laughs> You get that vocalization that it's not just, ah, it's like I'm being thrown around. I'm being torn apart. Yeah. Right. Pre-Wilhelm. 
screaming. Yes. Yeah. And then there is a really nice transition from all that screaming and snarling to Lamont just in a very light and casual manner going, oh, Margo, look at that moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The doctor does have either the best or worst pickup line ever when he shows up at the door and says, I saw you skiing today, and I wondered if you had sustained any cuts or bruises that needed attention. <laughs> what if that's how it worked? Like St- accident lawyers just out looking for people. Who- doctors just looking at you. You okay? <laughs> Doing okay? Just walking up down the street like people handing out flyers at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. <laughs> I'm afraid they'd end up at restaurants. Just going, mm, you sure you should eat that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or yeah. eat that so that I may save you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't send that back. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, uh, it, speaking of continuity, that was the other thing that I thought was interesting. Uh, if you're ever in a shadow trivia contest, remember that Margo is five feet, five inches tall and 118, 118 pounds. pounds. Wow. Yep. I think weight. Almost one of those. Right. You invert the a few of those numbers. If you give me the weight of somebody, the height, hair color, there's things I get it. Oh, if I see that person, but weight wouldn't mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Like to give her weight out is like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's close, but that she looks 125. Like you know, like unless you're a professional carnival weight guesser. That would not play in. Well, it's interesting because I think it also informs a little of Lamont's, aka the shadow's personality, this sort of obsessive knowledge of her <laughs> exact height and weight. Right. I'm surprised he didn't uh, give out her measurements. <laughs> well, again, he might just have some missing posters pre-made wherever he goes. <laughs> Margo, not only did you wander off without telling me where you're going, but uh, you weighed in at 119 today. <laughs> She locks him in a closet. That's just was so joyful. Got him. And then laughed. Yeah, I love that moment a lot. But as cathartic as those elements are, another really interesting thing about this episode to me is that there are some strange adult implications in here, particularly when the shadow is talking to the, the maid French, yeah. who he uh, is saying, ooh, I think Margot has supplanted you um if there's this suggestion of combining romance and hypnotism which a lot of these monsters and vampire stories do of overpowering someone's will but then when you combine it with the eerie image of the farmer seeing margo running through the woods with a giant hairy dog running at her side that just sort of has this very physical yeah and right before we see her again and she's Fine and happy. And the shadow seems to use that romantic wedge to get the information he wants. And doom her to death. And doom her to death. (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was um, uncharacteristically adult for the shadow. I I love this kind of ending of like, ah, we killed the wolf. And I bet the doctor's not going to show up again if if it's definitive. But (laughs) unlike much other shadow carnage, I'm not in trouble. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, the shadow can't be held accountable for much in here, other than his lifelong hypnotism of Marco. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And his request to, like, you should call the police if you can. 
Although I assume that Lamont is pretty confident that the doctor is the werewolf and that he's really dead because oh, yeah. when Margot comes out of the hypnotism, she calls him Lamont in front of the hypnotist. Right. So at that point, I was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> the shadow's going to have to kill this sucker. <laughs> yes. She just gave away his true identity. Hi, Lamont. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you said it. You said Lamont, and that guy was standing there. I don't know why you're so mad at that guy. You made me kill him. <laughs> it's on you, Margo. <laughs> you got any scrapes or bruises that I could take care of? <laughs> well, I got a <laughs> plug you could plug. <laughs> All right, guys, should we vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a classic for me, uh, but it was fantastic. I will say this. It's the best old-time radio of werewolf story I've ever heard. Top-notch fun and a great Halloween episode. I think it was scary and suspenseful and and cool. If I have one minor complaint... I would have liked to have been kept in suspense as the listener as to why Margo was acting the way she was for longer. Like, to be really confused by that instead of knowing, well, she's under the spell of this guy and that's why she's doing it. I would have liked to have not known that. So I'd be like, wow, this is... What's going on? And then have a reveal of that a little bit. I would have been so disappointed to find out that wasn't Margo actually <laughs> telling the shadow to screw off. I, I'm glad they, they let me down easy. <laughs> Stands the test of time. Really good. Yeah, almost exactly the same. This is a great Halloween episode. It's a really great shadow episode. Yeah. Um, I would put this near the top of, I've never heard the shadow. What's it like? Like, this is a great example. Um, and it is, it's really good. And it's also not like a bunch of others. Cause that's what the shadow's like. Right. Um, uh, again, I don't know that I would call it a classic because I, I inherently we, for more genre things, we give them less credence, which is sad, but I suppose storytelling wise, it's stakes aren't as high as some other classic episodes, but yes, loved it. Great. Yeah. I like it because I think you hint, said this, Tim, but it fulfills all the typical shadow requirements. Structurally, it's very typical. Lamont and Mar go on vacation, and there's a madman loose doing terrible things, and they must bring him to justice. I mean, that's hundreds of episodes of The Shadow, um, but it's all those little details, both in the story and the production, that elevate it. The unexpected details of the legitimacy of the werewolf uh, as in he's a real werewolf his actions are not legitimate <laughs> uh, i have a degree <laughs> uh as we already mentioned the cathartic nature of margot pushing back on lamont whether under hypnosis or not um and the sound effects yep. and a great pace uh, yeah. yeah like tim says perhaps too much of an outlier maybe to call a classic um it's up there for the shadows I've heard, though, um, and it is a great Halloween episode. Not to pat myself on the back, um, <laughs> and a particular treat for the shadow nerds out there. Yeah. I'm going to pat you on your back. And plug plug. Big plug. <laughs> yes. uh, hey, me, tell them stuff. Wow, that's a first. <laughs> Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. Uh, I'm plugging my blog. Um, you can also find other Stop. episodes. There. 
<laughs> you can leave comments. You can send us messages. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think of these episodes. Uh, you can link to our social media pages. You can uh, go to our Threadless store and buy some swag. You can also join our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we have a number of exciting extra types of content available on the Patreon site. Uh, one of particular holiday interest is we are currently working our way through the 1938 Australian Frankenstein serial in our Patreon-only podcast, Cliffhangers of Doom. So if that sounds fun, you should become a Patreon member right now and give it a listen. And the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, also in addition to this podcast, is a theater group that does performances of classic old-time radio dramas and a lot of our own original work. We've been performing monthly somewhere uh, for almost over six years. Uh, as of right now, uh, you can see us performing twice a month. To see where we're performing and what we're performing every month, just go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com to see what we're performing and where we are and how to get tickets. If you can't come see us live, uh, if you're a Patreon, we uh, uh, film all of our performances and we post them for you. So uh, even if you live next door to the place that we're performing and you're like, nah, I'm not walking over there for those guys. <laughs> you can still watch it in the comfort of your own home. Uh, so come have dinner and see us perform. Uh, if you're in the Twin Cities area, we'd love to have you. Hey, what's coming up next? Up next, I'm making a contribution to Monsters on the Air for this month-long Halloween series, uh, an episode of The Mysterious Traveler called No Grave Can Hold Me. Until then. Look out! Take the reins, Donna. I'll deal with him. It's too late, Johnny. Fight beside us. He's going to leave. Ah.